Savior of love Amen. died on the cross. He knew what he was going to be facing when he came, but he was willing and thankful for that. Well, it is a privilege to be here tonight in the house of God and uh, always thankful for every opportunity to preach. And that's a good thing about the preacher being gone. There's an, always a chance that it may be me. And so I'm thankful for that opportunity. And you make sure you pray for pastor and I'm sure they're going to have a great time refreshment there and so deserving of that trip. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. I'm going to have to move quick tonight. Josh said he's going to start shooting flares at me if I get past 8 o'clock. So he already gave me the warning there. I told my wife, I said, well, it's okay. It'll be a short sermon. She says, yeah, you say that in Sunday school every time too, and you always go over. So, but, uh, you know, a very familiar... Uh, story here that we come to, Second Samuel chapter 11. But uh, I want to look tonight, you know, have you, have you ever been in that situation or, or gotten to that place where you said, how did I get myself into this? How did I get myself into this mess? And you ask yourself that question and, you know, you look back and we have to admit that it was from our decision making. That's how we got there. And, you know, there's times where we wish that we could go back and redo it over, or make a different decision if we, if we would have just known this or if we would have been able to do this. But tonight I want to look at David as he's in a situation in his life 
and where he, this thought might have come across his mind. How did I get into this spot? Let's go ahead and pray before we get started tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to be in your house tonight, Lord, as we come to worship you. Lord, I pray that you just be with the message tonight. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts and change lives tonight, Lord, and we'll just give you the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when king, the kings go forth to battle, and David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and sieged Rabbath. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this uh, Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam there, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? You know, tonight I want to look at a situation that David's got himself in and how he handles the situation and how he gets out of this situation. I think there's some things that we can apply to our lives here tonight. I see number one, David's complacency. David's complacency. You know, I believe a part of David's problem in the decision-making that he had here is he got complacent with his own success. We know David is... Uh, a very, you know, he's the king of Israel. He's very high status, very uh, famous among the people, and he's a, a mighty warrior and has great success. It's easy to come complacent with yourself. You know, the definition of complacent is pleased, especially with oneself, so much that without awareness of potential danger, without awareness of potential danger, danger could be right around the corner. But we, we get so caught up in ourselves sometimes. We get so caught up and everything's going all right. If we look back in Second uh, Samuel chapter 8 and verse 13, it says, And David got him a name when he returned from uh, smiting of the Assyrians in the valley of salt, being 18,000 men. Hey, this is, David got himself a name here. He's got some fame about him. You know, he's got the wealth. He's got the power. You know, we see how it would be easy for someone to come complacent with the situations. The, the decision-making here, you know, a, a sign of complacency is losing uh, the, the passion for what you once had. And, you know, just getting focused on something else and you lose what you had in sight, what your goal was. Right and wrong no longer become a factor of making decisions because it's all about self. And what's, what do I want best for myself? We see uh, that with David in verse 3 as he, he looked upon Bathsheba and he wanted her. He wanted her. And the, the men told him, hey, isn't that Uriah's wife? I mean, is, yeah, isn't that Uriah's wife? But it didn't even phase him because his flesh had already won the victory. He'd already given in. He said, hey, I want her. He told his servants to go and get her. You know, but I don't think David's the only one that struggled with complacency in their life. It's easy as Christians to get in a routine. We get to a habit, a routine, and we'll go to church week in, week out. We'll sit under the preaching of the Word of God, but you know what? We don't get anything out of it. We've just come complacent with it. It doesn't mean anything to us anymore. We've lost our passion for it. That's exactly what uh, happened here. And we see that David was so pleased with himself and that he was unaware of that danger. He was unaware of the exact consequences 
that were up ahead. You know, any one of us are capable of making a mistake and falling. And it's by God's grace we pray that that never happens to us, never happens to any one of you. Nobody's desire is to be a failure, to fall, or to make a mistake. But when we come to a point in our life where we say, well, that couldn't happen to me, that's when we better be careful. We look around and you see great men of God who have fallen. Man, I would have never thought some people that I've seen in my life fall to the wayside. Why? Because they thought it wouldn't happen to them. Hey, they're just flesh, just like that. The flesh is powerful. When we are faced with temptation, do we really weigh out the consequences? Man, did, do you think David really thought out the consequences when he saw Bathsheba and when he lusted after her? You know, if we were to say, if we were to go back and say, Hey, David, you want Bathsheba? Okay, well, this is what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you her husband. It's going to cost you a baby's life. Man, you put the consequences out before you make the decision. It makes it a little easier, doesn't it? I think it might have affected his decision a little bit there. But it's so easy, the flesh puts blinders up. Satan doesn't tell us about the consequences. He says, hey, you're going to enjoy this. Oh, man, she's beautiful. You're going to enjoy this, David. Come on, it'll be okay. And you're the king. People look up to you. There's danger and complacency. You know, today, have we become complacent? See, have we had complacency in our Christian lives? Are we just coming to church just because, oh, that's the thing to do? We don't want to let man down. We don't want to let the pastor down. We don't want to let our other uh, friends or family that know we're supposed to be a Christian and go to church. Are we doing it because it means something? Man, because we've got a passion for the Word of God. We've got a passion to make a difference for Christ. We have to evaluate uh, each and every one of us ourselves when it comes to this. Number two here, I see that his complacency led to his carelessness. David's carelessness. You remember when you got that first new car? Man, it's got that new car smell. Man, you take that, you clean that thing, you wash that thing. I mean, you, of course, you don't eat in that thing. You know, your wife tries to do her nails in it. And you're like, hey, put that away. You're not allowed to do that. Not that I'm speaking from experience or anything. <laughs> you know, uh, try to drink coffee. Hey, this is off limits. We got to keep this thing clean, okay? We don't leave our stuff packed in there or nothing, you know. She thinks all those compartments should be used. I think they should stay empty. <laughs> but you know what? Something, some time goes by. A few months down the road doesn't mean as much to you. Next thing you know, you catch yourself in there eating, dropping fries down the seat, you know. Oh, I'll get that later. You know, but you lose that, that drive to, to make sure that it's spotless, to make sure it's, it's perfect. Because, you know, it, it just gets a little old to you. You lose your passion for it. You lose, the newness of it wears off. You don't have that new car smell anymore unless you get the air freshener that's new car smell. <laughs> Keep it in there. You know, careless is usually a direct result of complacency. And, and David was complacent with his relationship with Christ. Obviously, he put his relationship with Christ on the, on the back burner here when it came down to this decision. 
Because we all know that God wouldn't be pleased. God wouldn't have favor in the decision that was being made. You say, well, how, how do you become careless in your relationship with Christ? I'm glad you asked. You don't read your Bible as much as you used to. You don't spend as much time in prayer that you used to. You're not in God's house as much as you used to. It just doesn't mean as much to you anymore. Hey, those are all signs that our relationship with Christ has become careless to us. And it doesn't have that passion like we first got it when we first got saved. Man, we're ready. We want to go out and win the world. Now we're just like, eh, somebody else will get them. I'm here. I'm doing my job right. I'm, I'm filling the pew. Those are some things that come up into our life that we can say, hey, you know what? There's some areas we need to work on because it's, it doesn't mean as much as it should. Careless is, is not paying enough attention to something or someone. I know there's been times where we've probably all been guilty of that. I know there's times in my life where I've come careless with the things. Soul winning wasn't as important as it needed to be to me. Reading my Bible wasn't as important as it should be. Those are all things that we've got to check, that we've got to make sure, hey, we do not want a careless relationship with the Lord. Hey, when we have that, our spirit becomes weak. Man, that's when Satan's attacking us most. Hey, I know this area, he's struggling. He's a little weak right now. He's not been reading his Bible like he needs to. Time to attack. Time to attack. How is your relationship with the Lord tonight? Does it really mean something to you? Is it important? Is it high up there on your priority list? Or is it just something that you go through? Number three, look at David's compromise. David's compromise. You know, we have to come down to it and face that when we commit a sin, hey, we made the choice. We didn't just fall upon sin accidentally. We didn't just fall into it. Hey, when it came down to it, we had to make that that choice. Nobody forced us to do it. Hey, nobody forced David to commit this sin. It was all on his own. But we're good about making excuses. We're good about trying to justify things. Well, I know God will understand this because. Or I know that the Bible says this, but. We try to justify it, don't we? We try to make excuses for ourselves. We're all guilty of it. You know, and usually compromise doesn't just happen drastically overnight. It's a gradual process. It's little by little. So little sometimes that you're not even aware of it. You're slipping away and you don't even see it. You know, one compromise usually leads to another compromise. Well, this music isn't that bad. I mean, it's got good words. Well, this other version of the Bible, it's easier for me to read. It's easier to understand. Yeah, and what about the parts they take out, what they don't have in there? Well, I can wear this and and still look nice and and feel okay about it. Well, does it matter what we feel about it or is it what God feels about it? Hey, these some areas in our life that it's so easy just to gradually slip. Like I said, so many times something happens, we don't even notice it. We don't even pick up on it. I've got an uncle and aunt. They've got three kids. Breaks my heart to see how they've been gradually slipping away. And raised in the, the same kind of family, the same uh, standards, 
principles of the Bible, and they were living that way. They were on fire for God. They were doing great things for God. He's raising his family up, and now they're in what they call a church that meets in a nightclub. Rock and roll music. Kids get tattoos. They're being a testimony. So they're being a testimony. So you'll be surprised at who's in heaven. Yeah, I will be, but what kind of testimony are you living here on earth? What kind of message are you giving? It breaks my heart to see people that are just gradually slipping away. We look at David's compromise here. Went from lust to adultery to deception to murder. Just like that. Just like that. When it was all said and done, I'm sure David said, how did I get in this? How did I get in this mess? Where did I go wrong? Go back and, and see here, but in verse 11 and 12, David thought he had a plan. He thought he could figure this out. He thought he could work it out. Verse 11 says, And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat, to drink, to lie with my wife as thou livest and as thou so liveth? I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here to today. Also and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. David's trying to get Uriah to come and stay with his wife. And he's trying to cover up his sin here with her. But we see that Uriah said, hey, I've got men out on the battlefield. And I can't just come and, and take it easy and stay at the house. I'm not going to leave my men out there. So then he has to come up with another plan. He sends him out. He sends a letter. He says, hey, take Uriah, put him on the front lines. Put him in the heaviest fight where I know he's going to die. Verse 14 says, And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle that retire you from him, that you may be smitten and die. Hey, we look at David. You can't tell me that his decision didn't affect anybody else. Hey, his sin didn't only affect him. Hey, we can't say, oh, well, this is me. I'm going to take the punishment for it. I'm going to take the No, it affects other people. We see people lost their lives because of his sin. At the end of the day, see what the Lord had to say about it. If you skip down to verse 27, it says, And when the morning was passed, David sent, and fed her to his house, and she became his wife, and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. How many times in our life, daily do, uh, we come to the end of our day, man, we think we've got it all figured out. Hey, we think we've got this covered up. Hey, I've worked this out. Nobody knows. It's fine. But how many times does the Lord say, hey, you haven't fooled me? Hey, I'm displeased with what you've done. I'm displeased with the decision that you've made. 
What does God say about us? I hope he doesn't say that same remark. Maybe you're in a situation tonight. Maybe, of course, is not as what David's going through here. But different struggles and different sin are all the same. We all struggle with different things and different situations in our life. And you wonder, hey, I know I've got, I got myself into this, but I, I want to get out. I need to know what to do. Well, let's, let's see what David does when he finally comes to the end here. We see number four, David's commitment. David's commitment. In chapter 12, if you were to read there, Lord sends a prophet to, to David and Nathan there, and he tells him a story about two men in the same city. He says one is rich and has lots of things, and uh, the other was, is poor and has only one, one little lamb. Well, a man comes through traveling one day, and the rich man takes the poor's one lamb and fixes it for the feast there. David, he gets angry. He says, what? Are you kidding me? And that guy should have to pay fourfold, and then he should surely die. Why would he do that? The prophet says, that man is you. That man is you. We're so easy to point out other people's faults. We're so easy to say, man, that was a good message for so-and-so. I hope they were taking notes. I hope they picked up on that. Hey, what's in it for us? Where are we messing up? It's probably exactly what we need. He's saying, hey, David, that's you. Wake up. You're the one that did that. You took another man's life because you wanted his wife. End up losing the baby over it. Why? All because of selfish decision. That you wanted to please self. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7 says, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hath taken his wife to be thy wife. And hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me. And thou hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will rise up evil against thee out of mine own house, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of his son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. Hey, there's going to be some consequences for your sin. There's going to be some consequences that David has to face. But you know what? He's repenting. He repents. We see in verse 13 it says, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Hey, aren't you thankful that the Lord will forgive us? Hey, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall sometimes. Do we use that as an excuse to do it? No. But aren't you thankful when something happens, God is there? Hey, if we'll just admit it. Hey, if David would have just tried to hide this and kept going on, God would never have been able to use him until he got this right. But he said there, I know I have sinned against the Lord. We see that David, he... 
prayed and fasted all night there because his baby was struck with a sickness. He knew it wasn't looking good. And the servants, they tried to get him to come and eat. And he wouldn't do it. He's praying and fasting for this baby's sickness. Well, the next morning, the servants, the baby's dead. And they don't want to go to him. They don't want to tell him. They know how uh, rough it's been for him, how he's been dealing with this. And they come to him and they don't say anything, but he sees it on their face. He says, the baby's dead, isn't it? He says, come on, let's, let's go eat. They're like, what? Wait a second. How are, how are you dealing with this? Verse uh, 22 of chapter 12, it says, And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Hey, he said, even though he, know, he knew he did wrong, he knew there's going to be consequences for his sin, he didn't give up on God. He didn't give up on God. He said, hey, I fasted and prayed for that baby because who is it that can tell whether God be gracious or not? God could have saved that baby. God could have chose to, but he didn't. And now I have to move on. I have to move on because I know the consequences and, and I can't bring that baby back. Hey, living in my past failures is not going to do me any good. I can't go back and change the decision. All it'll do is hinder my further walk for Christ. Living in past defeat. But he says, hey, I'm going to move forward. Because I can't bring that baby back, but I can go to where that baby is. He knew there was consequences for his sin. But not giving up on God. When you mess up, when you make a mistake, hey, repent it. Hey, get it right. And move forward for God. Don't get caught in Satan's trap of, hey, you failed, you messed up, you're done. God can't use you anymore. God's still willing to use you. David, man after God's own heart, be used of God. David made a new commitment to the Lord. Psalm 51 it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in uh, iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou uh, desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of the salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit, and I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. And David's pouring out his heart. He knows he's messed up. He knows he's made a great mistake. He's cost people their lives, but he's repented over it. You can see he means it from his heart. 
He's saying, God, I'm making a new commitment. Hey, I'm going to start afresh from here. And I'm going to do great things if you'll just allow me. If you'll just forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. If you'll use me, I'm willing. It's not too late to repent. Something that maybe you've done in the past that you just haven't been able to get over. Hey, it's not too late to make a new commitment to God. Man, we're just a month out of New Year's. There's going to be a lot of New Year's resolutions and commitments made at the beginning of the year. Why wait till then? Why wait till then? Why not get it settled tonight? Why not make a commitment tonight with God's help? Man, I'm going to put this thing in the past and I'm going to move forward for God. Man, I'm going to get this right. I know that I've hurt people. I know that it's going to cost me. But I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing to move forward for this thing. I'm ready to do more for Christ. Hey, let's not waste the time that we have now to make a difference for Christ. Hey, just as much as the consequences of our sin affect other people, hey, right decisions influence people in a positive way. Hey, we can make it a positive influence in people's lives. Hey, we can make a difference in people's lives by just being willing to be used. We see a great man of God, great man of God, David, and all the successes that he had. But you know what? There came a time in his life where he got a little careless. There came a time in his life when he was a little complacent about the things of God. They didn't mean to him as much as they used to. He lost his passion for it. And you know what? It resulted in a tragedy. It resulted in a horrible mess that he ended up getting in. And I'm sure if he could, he would have went back and said, it's not worth it. If you weigh the consequences of sin, it's never worth it. It's never worth it. You can see many examples of people who have made wrong decisions, choices. It's cost them their families. It's cost them their lives. And don't make that mistake. And if you're here tonight and, and you're not struggling with anything, and praise God for that. Ask God to keep you, to keep you close, to draw nigh. Have Him help you not to lose the love for His Word. Help you, ask Him to help you not to, to just get careless with your re- relationship with Christ. And we come to the Christmas season and we think, oh man, the, the, the focus is on Christ. It's the reason for the season. But in our hearts, is it? Or we just get caught up with and going and seeing family and, and the, the hustle and bustle of the season. We miss it. We miss what it's all about. It's all about Jesus Christ, just as he's saying in that song. And if that isn't love, and that he would send his son to die on the cross, and we've got something to be thankful for, we've got something to live for, we've got hope. And, and, and this year... And let's, let's get it out as, as much as possible. And I just pray that the Lord will speak to hearts however uh, He speaks. If you would just stand to your feet, heads bowed, eyes closed.